Welcome to another episode of Empower Apps. I'm your host, Leo Dion. Today, I am joined by Rudrunk Riem. Rudrunk, thank you so much for coming on the show. I really appreciate it. Thank you so much, Leo, for having me. We've had a busy few weeks here, just getting over WWDC. Really glad we finally have you on the show to talk about developer productivity, which is really good timing because of all the new stuff that's come out. But before we begin, I'm going to let you go ahead and introduce yourself. So hi, everyone. My name is Udrang Kriyam, and currently I am working as the iOS Developer Relations Engineer at CodeMagic, which is a mobile CI-CD platform. My day-to-day job is on helping and advocating to the iOS community. Cool. So I just wanted to put in that I previously worked as a freelancer across all the Apple platforms, and I have shipped a lot of apps for the clients. Yeah, that's awesome. Really glad to have you on. I like a lot of the stuff you've written about and um, just glad to have the opportunity to have you on this time and specifically talk about developer productivity. Before we begin, maybe you want to give a definition of what you mean by developer productivity. Mm -hmm. So if we go by the normal formal definition of developer productivity, where we are supposed to be productive uh, across a particular time period, I think for me, developer productivity is where you are working and giving your best on a particular project or a particular job for a particular time where you are assigned and you are able to give your best with a good maintainable code and documentation when required. and that's what developer productivity is for me. So like kind of we've talked about knowing your tools when Dominic was on to talk about Xcode and we'll get more into Xcode 14 at the closer to the end of the episode. But what are some tools that you should know about besides Xcode when it comes to being a productive developer? I think the main productive tool that when you're working in a team or that you require because as an iOS developer, you are working with GitHub or GitLab and you require version control, right? So you may use the terminal if you are a hard fan of it, but I am someone who is a visual person and uses the source tree for managing all the branches and everything. And you may come across a situation where you're working with different team members and you will have merge conflicts. So that is one thing that you have to note about. And for increasing the, and we know that merge conflicts is a pain and it's annoying for us to deal with. So in that case, you can use tools like Twist, where you don't have to generate the Xcode project file itself. And we have Xcode gen for that. And I think that significantly helps you improve the productivity, especially if you are working in a big team and you may inquire, you may have frequent merge conflicts and dealing with the code base in general. Yeah, I'm a big fan of Xcode Gen Intuist when it comes to merge conflicts for Xcode projects, for sure. How about other types of files that you might run into in, in your Xcode project? How do you deal with those merge conflicts? So I think when for when you use a tool like source tree, you have this merge file tool that helps you have a side by side comparison and you can cherry pick the parts that you want itself and then just have that in the file commit. And I think that's really helpful when you are, when you have to deal with files that are not related to Xcode. 
How often do you run into merge conflicts in your work? So right now I do not because it's mostly I'm working on my apps on my own. But when I used to work right. as a freelancer, then it was kind of frequent because we were working on different features, but we we had a monolithic project. So <laughs> the chances of having merge conflicts is a lot. I mean, I think if you can avoid them, excuse me, if you can avoid them as much as possible, I think that's like the best route to go is have your team members work on different features. And like you said, work on files that are actually mergeable, like Swift files and not Xcode projects and storyboards, which we've talked about. Um, <laughs> yeah, storyboards. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Dealing with storyboards is a pain when it comes to having merge conflicts. Yeah, it's, it's nearly impossible. So we talked about Git. Well, I mean, what are some things in Git that you've taken advantage of when it comes to like resolving conflicts and keeping clean, clean history uh, when you can? So as I think I try to have, when I, I code, I try my best to have clean comments in a sense that if I have to go and refer back to them in the future, I know who to get blame. It's usually myself, <laughs> but <laughs> <laughs> then uh, having cleaner comments and making sure that you comment on time is a good way to have a clean history. I'm a big fan of having a clean history. And when you're working with different files, like when uh, your workflow configuration file, I make sure that having different pull requests for them or have, when you're adding new assets to your Xcode projects, you have different commits for them and different pull requests. So there are the, the one on one side when we have a code and a non-code differentiation. Yeah, I'm a big believer in CI and just using that as a way to maintain a good code quality as well. And what what I'll do is if I know something's gonna break in CI is I'll set up a separate little mini branch and then make my commits there and then squash, do a squash merge. So those, those commit, those individual commits that are kind of work in progress commits, uh, end up getting merged as a single commit. And I've done that quite a bit just to make sure my history is clean and doesn't have those, those hackish, uh, commits. And yes, I, I do agree with that. And then there's also like fix up too. I've used fix up quite a bit and then auto squash when I do a merge. So that way those fix up commits are not included as well when I just stupid lint thing that I have to fix or something like that. That's a great point. Having squashing your commits when they grow too big, especially the one that you want to hide the commits that you don't want the other team members to see where you are struggling with something and you just committed gibberish. Yeah, exactly, exactly. If it's not important, you don't need the commit for it eventually. Hey folks, it's that time of the year again. Conferences are starting up. We already just had the announcement for WWDC. But there's one developer conference I have talked about. This is probably the third year. And that's 360 iDev. It's a fantastic conference that you should definitely check out. It's had guests that we've had on the show, like Joe Chaplinski, Ben Chatelaine. We've even had the organizer, John Wilker, on the show just talking about conferences and, and how they've gone uh, last year. It's a really good conference. I'm planning on going in person, regardless of whether I speak or not. And you should you should definitely do it too. They do have a remote option as well. And if you use the code EmpowerApps, then you will get 20% off. So 
I highly recommend taking this opportunity right now. Go to 360iDev, get a ticket for the show as soon as you can, and get 20% off. It's in Denver or remote. It's up to you, whatever you want to do. There's going to be a great set of guests. I can guarantee that we've had some of those guests on. Folks like Ariel Michelli from App Figures and folks like Joe Chaplinski, Ben Chatelaine, and more. So take some time, go to 360iDev, and I am really looking forward. Let me know if you are going, because I am really looking forward to seeing you there. Thanks. So we've talked about Xcode. What other tools do you use that you really have gotten familiar with when it comes to developer productivity? I usually use Xcode for mostly all of my workflows, but the other tool that I use is Visual Studio when I have to work with the workflow configuration file. Like when you have a CI-CD setup, and I think most of the CI-CD providers have a YAML file that you, where you provide all the workflows for your requirement. And for that, I usually prefer having Visual Studio because you usually get a plugin for that. Like for Code Magic, we have a plugin that automatically lends uh, the configuration itself. So I don't have to go back and forth right. and have a look at it locally. Yeah, I use uh, Nova by Panic uh, for a lot of my simple text editing. I really like that app. And it has a lot of built-in integrations as well. Um, but mostly I just use it because it's a really good text editor um, that's minimalistic, so to speak. And then I also use Visual Studio Code for any of the web stuff that I do. And that's that's fantastic as far as that's concerned. And I know that they put out a Swift extension. And I think, um, yeah, I've heard nothing but good things about it. So definitely check that out if you want to try building Swift apps in Xcode or Visual Studio Code or doing backend stuff. Um, I love that. So let's let's get into a little bit about like Swift and a Swift or Xcode productivity. What do you what do you how do you how do you become more productive with your code? I guess I, I think that's a really big question. So let's break it down. The first thing that I have noticed is that as your project grows, the build times grows as well. And you don't want to be in a situation where let's say the build, a clean build is taking 15 minutes and then you get distracted and go to Twitter or go and have a coffee and then you're having another coffee for a clean build. So I think that's the biggest blocker for your developer productivity. And I have seen that, uh, and I have done it myself when you're working on a monolith project, you try to break them into different, you modelize your project your app into different targets so that if you are just working on one you don't have to build your whole app and on a funny side if you just want to have a better build time just you can ask your team your manager to give you a m1 ultra (laughs) well that's the shortcut right but yeah like one thing i've noticed that i've heard a lot is just like breaking your project up into smaller pieces is a great way to speed up your build time but yeah, that, that, I, I didn't think about that, like build time as being productivity and managing that. So what, what are some suggestions you have as far as how to speed up your builds? I guess break it up into smaller pieces, definitely. And we talked about micro apps a few weeks ago with, with Majid. Do you have any other suggestions maybe? So I recently worked on a tool by Spotify, which is, I wrote an article on a tool by Spotify, which is called as XC Remote Cache. So for a company at the level, at the scale of Spotify, they have in, 
huge build times. So how and they went about decreasing the build times by using the cache generated by a particular machine and reusing it. So what they did was having the cache stored on a server and then fetching that server for a clean build instead of rebuilding the whole project locally. So by doing that, they were able to get up to 70% uh, increase in the build time, which is like incredible. How did they define their cache? Like what exactly were they caching? So they, uh, they mentioned that they didn't go as granular as they would because when you are caching all the targets, you're offsetting the speed, extra speed that you get by downloading the cache itself. It just offset that. So it all depends on how you want to use it. If you want to just cache the major core targets in your app, that takes time or some dependencies that you have that you know that, okay, you won't be able, you won't touch them for a long time or update them. So you just cache them. So you don't have to build them again and again. Okay, that makes a lot of sense. Um, what other tips do you have as far as productivity when it comes to your build times? For like when we will discuss about the Xcode 14 productivity, I think the way they have made it so easier for us in terms of build times, we don't have to do anything to increase the build times itself. But that will be in the other section. Yeah. You have on here App Store productivity. What do you mean by that exactly? So we know that we have, when we are working on apps, we have this process of going, archiving the builds and then having them on test flight or releasing it on the app store. So one thing that I've noticed that discourages me, or I think even if you are working as a developer, is when you tried your best on a release and that build was rejected by Apple due to some silly mistake that you made. And then you have to do the whole process again of archiving it, getting it to the app store, then waiting for review. And one thing I've noticed that when your app is rejected, the next build that you send for review, it is usually delayed by, it's not as fast as the first build when you're sending it to the app store. And so one thing that you can make is a checklist uh, to make sure that you don't commit some small mistakes that you have to repeat the whole process that that takes a lot of your productive time. Yeah, exactly. What do you have? Do you have the actual checklist? What do you have on the checklist, I guess? So for my checklist is to make sure that I actually write tests. So I don't have a screen where the it's crashing somewhere because I've seen that the reviewers are very specific and they test each and every screen, especially if you have a screen for in-app purchases. So you have to make sure you don't have any placeholders there or anything. So, and another tip on for the App Store is that when you are creating the app store screenshots, that takes a lot of time if you are doing it manually. And if you have localization and for each language, you have to support like 10 or 15 screenshots and that just exponentially grows for each language that you add. So for that, you can just use an automation tool like Fastlane, which really, really helps you in the process of creating those screenshots. Yeah, yeah, I agree completely. That's something I've been playing around with quite a bit is getting those screenshots and then using frame it to frame them and automating that piece. There's a lot you can do there with with Fastlane. 
Yeah. Anything else about productivity you want to talk about before we jump into Xcode 14? I think the last productivity tip regarding when you are having a workflow is your CI/CD productivity. Yeah, very much so. <laughs> because like, let's see that if you are make one thing is that you don't want to make unnecessary commits that if you are making a commit, you don't want to have an unnecessary build that takes up your minutes on your CI CD. So you may make a small change or a word change in the documentation and that is triggering a build on your CI CD and running all the tests when it doesn't make any sense. So for that, you can just use skip CI and the commit message itself and the CI will just skip that whole build. I know on some CIs, you can also check to see what's changed and based on what's changed, mm -hmm. it runs certain certain things. So you can like disable the Xcode testing if it's a markdown file change. Exactly. Yeah. You can just exclude that particular folder of documentation that you have. Or if you have like, let's say, a app that has monorepos and if you just making changes is one of the folders you don't want to have it running on the other folder as well yep yeah totally agree anything else you ready to jump into xcode 14 i think we are very excited about the changes in xcode 14 right i think let's jump into it directly yeah i mean xcode 14's got a lot of stuff uh we'll get into especially when you were talking about build times a lot of visualizations, smaller in size, things like that. What What's kind of your favorite thing, I guess, in Xcode 14 that re you really think is going to help your productivity? The biggest problem that I was facing with Xcode 13 was that I was getting this alert that my watch is preparing for development. <laughs> Even though I did not have any watch app in my project, and it was annoying to the point I would just close Xcode and go to sleep. So <laughs> that's something that is completely fixed for me in Xcode 14. I'm really excited to be back in the game. Like It's like all the members, the, all the Xcode engineers may also have also faced this problem and they were like, okay, we are going to prioritize this and fix it the first, in the first attempt itself, in the first beta itself. Right, right. Yeah, exactly. So now you have to basically download the SDK if you want watchOS or tvOS. So not only has it helped with that issue, but also with the download is like only seven gigs, I think, mm -hmm. like eight gigs. Exactly. So that's a big, big advantage. Well, let's let's talk a little bit more about the build speed too. We talked about that. What kind of advantages do we get in Xcode 14 when it comes to the build of your application? So the Apple engineers have done some magic in terms of the parallelization of builds. So for us, I was watching this WWDC session on demystifying parallelization and builds in Xcode and they have, they claim that your builds will be up to 25% faster compared to Xcode 13, which I think is incredible. Like having the same hardware and having your builds 25% faster. It's just amazing. Yeah. And then, like there's also a lot of visualizations as far as you're able to sit, like see the build and see what is holding up your build and what particular parts of it are really slowing it down. I think that's going to open up a whole can of worms when it comes to like building your applications. Like you said, we already just got these M1s and now it's like we're getting more optimizations on Xcode for builds. It's going to be a big difference uh, from two or three years ago. 
like as you mentioned the built timelines is an incredible feature especially if you are someone who prefers to have a visual timeline to see which file is taking how much time instead of just going having a hierarchy because these right. are placed in a way that it shows the parallelized uh, files that are being running concurrently and you can see that all the files that are being compiled plus the scripts that may be taking a lot of time like if you are using a script to run your google pods so you will see that okay this one is taking like 5 seconds so you know what's a blocker and what is not yeah yeah exactly what are some of your other favorite productivity enhancements in xcode 14 so one thing is that which is i think got really famous on twitter as well is sticky headers like if you are working on a class let's you have a massive view controller and you are just and you reach a point where you don't know in which class you are so it just takes the name of the class at the top of the uh, editor so you know okay i am at this file and it also goes beyond that and it's also stick some variable names or the name of the structure so you have an idea okay i'm working on this particular f- uh, class or a struct so i don't have to go back it's a very small minute detail but i think as you're working on xcode daily it just adds up and saves you some time oh, yeah yeah a lot of time over the years right right another thing uh, i think it's really big is the having just one asset catalog which is like 1024x1024 image. Yeah. Instead of... <laughs> yeah, we talked about that in the last episode and just how, like, I'm not sure what to do with my app that is able to build icons for SVG files because I don't know if there's a market for that now. Um, it'll be interesting to see. They definitely, like... It's interesting how they, like, have this... Pic- I didn't get to do the pixel-perfect app icon design thing. I really wish I did. Cause that looks really cool, but they definitely think that there's a market for like having different designs for different sizes, but like we know how many developers just simply use <laughs> exactly. a single size. I think for most of us, it will be just having that single asset catalog because we don't want to go into the integrate details of having a 32 by 32 and making sure that it looks really right. fine. Yeah. Most, most developers don't, don't really do that. One thing we were talking about on Twitter was the faster auto completion. You've seen that as yes. far as Xcode 14. I know like auto auto completion. I haven't tried refactoring yet. I'm really curious about that because I do a lot of refactoring where I'm just renaming a class or, you know, refactoring a function. Uh, I'm curious about that as well. I guess it, it's not only faster, but you think it's also smarter. Smarter in what way? So one thing that if you have been building Swift UI apps, you may be using dot frame with the parameter as max width and then setting it to infinity so that the whole view gets to attach to both of those, both sides of the screen, right? But if you were, if you were doing that in Xcode 13, you may probably get all the minimum width or the maximum height parameters as well. Now you just write dot max and it will just autocomplete which I think is a lot smarter in a way. And the second thing is that if you have default parameters mentioned, if you have default values for a parameter, then it won't have, it won't even show when you do an initialize. 
so new initializer so that, that's a cool thing as well so as i mentioned earlier these are very small minute things that gives us a nice developer experience and and they add up over time they add up over time it just improves our productivity little by little and it makes us happier as well that we can focus on the code instead of just hacking around with the auto completion and just going to twitter and ranting about it <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. I think I'm really looking forward to playing around with that more in Xcode 14. Last but not least, we got faster and more reliable live previews. You've played oh, around yes. with this in Xcode 14? Mm-hmm. I haven't gotten a chance. I've done a little bit of Xcode 14, but not enough to, to notice a difference. Um, I, I Like, for me, it's been buggy at some times, like, especially when I'm doing a Swift package or something like that, where my Swift UI code is not in the app itself. But you've noticed big improvements in live previews. So when I started out, I was just doing it on a smaller screen and I thought, okay, the difference is not big. But then I spent a whole morning when I was creating a whole new screen. And then I realized, okay, the new power of the Xcode previews because they are reliable. The earlier Xcode previews that we had, it would just go on circling with the scrolling thing, the scrolling indicator. And you would have, it will just pause or it will crash. But the new one, it it's just amazing because if you know about the hot reload thing in Flutter or React Native, I think we can have the new Xcode previews are as fast as those. It's just loading instantly. Yeah, that's awesome. Another thing is that you don't have to write extra code for uh, adding new previews. So let's say mm. you want to have different variants when you are checking for dynamic type so you can have 12 variants from small to the all to all the way up to the extra 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 large accessibility size and you won't have to write a single line of code it's just one button now that's awesome did you have you tried out xcode cloud at all yes so i did try xcode cloud last year i was just trying to figure out it Mm-hmm. figure it out because it was I was trying to see because when you have a CICD integrated in Xcode itself it is a little bit easier to work with yeah I'm just kind of curious what's your thoughts on it I think if you are an individual developer working on your project and want a CICD then it and you ha- want to have a new workflow that you're creating then I think it's a good benefit for you especially that you are getting yeah. 1500 minutes free uh, till i think end of 2023 but mm-hmm, mm-hmm. for those who already have it set up and are used to fast lane and don't want to tie themselves to a particular system then for that i think i will give it a pass especially if you are working in a team where you have non apple apps as well I mean, I think if you don't have anything, it's totally worth your time to take a look. If you have something existing, it might not be worth it for you. Yeah, that's kind of my my gut feeling. Unless they can provide something on top of what Fastlane and other CI systems have, like it might not might not be the right fit to change like change your whole CI system over to Xcode Cloud. Exactly, it doesn't make sense to just see this new shiny thing out there and have your whole CI CD which has been working well for the past few years and just jump ships. Are you a frequent user of like keyboard shortcuts too when it comes to Xcode? I am not, unfortunately. I need to get okay. used to it. 
I mean, I think that's a big thing that would help productivity a lot is yes. shortcuts. We talked about that with, with Dominic in that episode, but I found that to be a big help. And then, yeah, I mean, I, I think getting to know Git from the terminal is a huge help too. I don't, that's the way I do it. Cause I've just never been comfortable with a lot of the GUIs out there. It's not easy. Um, if you can do it through something like GitLab and GitHub too, that and doing pull requests, that's always helpful as well. Is there anything else you wanted to mention before we close out? I think one the tip that I got from one of the sessions was that you can now have all the test flight feedbacks in Xcode itself, which is yeah. an incredible thing. You Because you know that working with AppStore Connect, the website is not a good experience. <laughs> it's mostly a blank screen and having the test flight feedbacks in the in Xcode archive itself, it's it's going to be a great productivity tool because you're not context switching every time. Yeah, completely agree. This has been awesome. I think this is hopefully super helpful to a lot of folks as far as who want to be a little bit more productive and especially with the new release Xcode and how that can help. Was there anything else? I think to conclude, Xcode 14 has been an amazing release. I've been following the releases in the past few years, more than a few years. And I think this was one of the best releases they have done. What do you think? Yeah, agreed. Where can people find you online, Rudrik? So I'm very active on Twitter at rudrangriam. It's just my full name. And okay. that's it. We'll have links in the show notes to all that, as well as to that Tesla talk. Hopefully we'll, we'll find that one. And thank you so much for joining us for this episode. It's been fantastic. Uh, I think our next episode, we'll have Michaela Karen on to talk about backend and also we'll have Daniela on as well, uh, to talk about WWDC. So if there's anything you want to ask when it comes to backend choices, let me know. Thank you so much for joining us. My, uh, you can reach me on Twitter at Leo G Dion. My company is bright digit. Take some time to post for review. Let me know if there's something you want me to cover from WWDC in a future episode and, um, like, and subscribe if you've watched this on YouTube. Thank you again and have a great rest of your day. Bye.